0: So let me reiterate again. The question for this week is, why is there a lack of desire towards reading the Bible? You think about it. You know, there's a verse that says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is one of the most basic verses that we learned growing up. There's even a song. And it's like, this is so important to us, yet it's something we can easily go seven days without reading on our own. Why? Like, you know, as I was asking this question on the Instagram, I asked, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you read the Bible or desire to read the Bible? 1 to 10. You want to take a guess what the average was? I had 18 responses, which again is a great response. Guess what? From 1 to 10, what do you think the average is? 4.6. I averaged it out. And last week I asked the question, how comfortable are you talking about God? Guess what that answer was? A seven. So it made me think, we're comfortable talking about God. We're not comfortable learning about God. I wonder, what are you talking about if you're not spending time learning about God? I want to encourage you, right? This is an important thing that we think about. So what can good biblical reading be like? Let me read a guy. This guy is named uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Um, This is what I think Bible reading can look like. Smith Wigglesworth, I've mentioned him before. His grandson said his grandfather would pray a while, then lie in bed and open his Bible to see what father had to say. Then he would meditate and worship often in other tongues. Then he would pray again and repeat the process until sometimes several hours would pass by. He was following the advice of the psalmist David. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said with thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. So what do we see about this man? You know, how do we like to read the Bible? If I read in the morning, I I read a column, one of the persons posted, they put, I'm a 10 out of 10 on reading the Word. So I said, okay, why do you say you're a 10? And they say they're a 10 because in the mornings, every morning the first thing they do is read the Bible. And I said, that's great. I love that you do that. But how much do you spend throughout the day? We are people that if I do it in the morning, we feel like, okay, I did my job. Is that how much we want to hunger for God? Genuinely, like, think about this. What this man would do is just spend time meditating and enjoying it. Like, it's almost like a chore to us that I need to get done before I get to the important things of the day, right? So I want to encourage you, like, that's the vision of what it can be. I want you to get to a place where the Word of God is not just something that you think about or want to do it one part of the day, but it really guides your day. Like, when you need guidance, I need that. So let me ask you, and, and I believe this, because think about this. How easy it is for us to scroll throughout the day. You could probably scroll in the morning, at noontime, or at evening time. All throughout the day, we love scrolling, right? Because we, there's something about it that we like. So I ask the question, why is there a lack of desire towards reading the Bible? I would love to hear from you guys, and then I'll share what the Lord put on my heart. So let me get into where I think God put on my heart, and I'm going to pose some questions to kind of um, help us think through this. Because again, if I just tell you, you forget. But if I help you think, maybe it stays with us a little longer. So the first thing I want to ask is, when does someone drink water? Say, you know, one of the things people ask of us to do is drink eight cups a day. I think that, I think they may have changed that rule. I don't know. But that was the thing we learned growing up, drink eight cups a day. That's a hard chore to do. Can you agree with me? Who is someone who naturally drinks eight cups a day? Someone who is outside working all day? Well, no one probably has to tell them to drink eight cups of water. Can you agree with me? When the person mows my lawn, I usually feel bad and I offer him a drink because they are really thirsty. I mowed my lawn this week and within 30 minutes of mowing, guess what I needed? Water. The second thing, who is someone who studies? Can you all help me with this? Someone who has a test. Name how many of you since you graduated, just sit down and take a book and study. Someone will spend time studying if they're going to take a test or in our program. So let me ask you one last one. Who is someone who will work late into the night and who will stay up long hours? Someone who has a job and one of the ones is a nurse, right? Nurses work all throughout the night. They're willing to give up their sleep. So the question is, what what you do is, what you notice in all of it is, what you do is determined by your situation right? If you want to drink water, like if I can tell you to try to drink eight cups, but if you work outside, guess what? You'll start drinking eight cups. I can tell you to go sit down and study, but if you're in a master's program, you'll go sit down and study. I can tell you to stay up all night, but if you're in a nursing job that works, makes you work on it, you will. So the question is, when does someone read the word of God? Rather than thinking, I need to do this, think, what setting do I need to be in? And here's what God gave me When you are immersed in living a life that pleases God, you will want to get in the Word. And here is the problem today. We are a generation that casually like to follow God. We are okay if I make my own decisions. But the second you say, God, I want you to take over my life. I want you to guide where I go. I want you, God. It is a very basic essence of Christian life. What does it mean to be a Christian? You literally said, God, the way that I live is not enough. I need you. But we have cheapened it so much. We've cheapened salvation. I just need to say a few words and I'm saved. Just, you know, at the age of 10, say I believe in Jesus and you're saved. No, salvation is when you say my old way of life is not enough. I need a new way. And when you do that, guess what happens? This thing becomes my light. I don't know how to live well. This is my guide. So if you're honest with yourself, here's the thing. Maybe you don't care about Christian life. Sometimes I think Christian people just need to be honest. We are the worst at being so, what's the word? We know the right thing to say. Religious. Oh, I love God, right? Oh, I know the right things to say. I know when to lift my hand in worship time. Just be honest with yourself. Are you genuinely caring about Christian life? I was talking to a young guy this week, and I kind of pushed at him a little bit. I was like, so how much? I was thinking about this message. I asked him, how much do you spend in the Word? And he says, I don't spend any time. I was like, I mean, you think that's okay? He's like, I'm living a good Christian life. I was like, why do you say that? I said, I go to church every Sunday. None of my friends go to church every Sunday. I was like, you think that's enough to live a good Christian life one day a week? Be honest with yourself. Who's guiding your life? If the word of God is genuinely guiding you, you will want to spend time with it. If it's not, it becomes a chore. Jesus didn't come and sacrifice himself so that you you can continue living in your way. Do you understand? He gave up his life for you. The least you can do for him is give up your life and your selfishness for him. But I'll say this, as you admit that I need God in my life, as you admit that, He comes at you. The Word of God is coming for every part of you. You don't get to be how you want to be anymore. Your thinking changes. The way you spend your time changes. Your relationships change. I'm telling you this, if you are genuinely interested in the, in the life that Christ has, you will have to change. And that's not easy. And the, where God led me today is this, your family life, if you really want to care about the word of God more and make it valuable, it will change the way your family life functions. You know, I really believe this. God has always put this on my heart. The family unit is so important. If the family unit could come together, things would fix. Do You understand that a society is built on families. Why do you think society has problems? Because families have issues. So I want to encourage you. And the saddest part is we as Christian people who say the nicest things have the most issues in our family. Genuinely, the word of God wants you to have a heaven in your family. And many of us are living in hell in our family. And I want to encourage you today. Right, I, I had a few things that even in my like, past few weeks, people tell me about. Husbands and wives don't sleep in the same bed. They're so mad at each other, they don't talk to each other for days. Is that the way that God wants, right? In-laws don't let their grandkids or uh, daughter-in-laws will not let their mother-in-laws come over because they have a fight with the husband. Children are telling their parents to shut their, like I heard a recent Malayali family, kids are telling the parents to shut up. I'm like, man, if someone, if I told my parents that there would be three sticks involved. <laughs> the, the kids today are running the house. There is an attack of the enemy on our family. And people are like, let me go to psychologists. Let me go to, what is science telling me to do? My encouragement for you today is this. If you want to live in a heaven on earth in your family, look to the word of God. There's guidance. It give you It gives you a light to your path when you don't know what to do. It will guide you. And we're looking at three ways today that hopefully your family, because here's the sad part. How can we say that we're we're loving a God and we have so much fight in our family? I want to really encourage you today. Fight for your families. Worship, I'm telling you this. Worship is caring about your family and your family functioning well. You know, one of the saddest things is there's a lot of things I'm saying comes from preacher's houses. The people who preach the most have the hardest time. So as much as I'm preaching to you, I have to be so careful in my family. I have to make sure my first priority more than preaching on a Sunday is loving my wife and loving my children, making sure my family is functioning well. And that's each one of our responsibilities to care for our family. So we're going to look at three ways that uh, the word of God guided us that we've read already. The first one is James chapter 3, verse 5 to 8. And it says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great bows. So what is one way, what do we see here is one way that you can be strong in your family and worship God in your family. Be mindful how you talk. Do you recognize it? Like literally, this is not rocket science. This is just a guide for your life. What are the words that are coming out of your mouth? And what does the writer say in this? It's a fire. Do you understand when you say something without thought, And maybe sometimes to hurt someone, it's a fire. It rampages and it hurts people. And you know the saddest part? We do it to our family the most. You know, if someone were to talk like that to their manager, they would get fired, right? And you know, we know how not to talk like that to a manager. Our manager can make us mad, but guess what? I know how to keep my tongue in line. Why? Because they have a paycheck that I need. We will bow down to money more than we'll bow down to God. You want to show me you bow down to God, the next time you want to say something to your spouse, to your sibling, to the person that's close, to my kid. You know, right now with stresses of life, the quickest thing to do is react. There's so many. I'm tired at night. You know, the first thing, we want to just let what comes out come out. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me right now. And worship to God is keeping our tongues in line. So I want to encourage you, consider how do you talk? Are you someone that when things get hard, you can talk well? Or are you someone that lets whatever fly out of your mouth? And if you want to be a servant of God led by the Bible, if you want to worship God, not just on Sunday, but every day, control your tongue. One piece of advice I can give you. Actually, let me just tell you one story real quick. Here is the power of the tongue. I have a friend of mine who's been applying to optometry school for five years now. Every year, I, tell, I ask him like, how's your process going? And he says, it's good. After about the third year, I was like, hey man, like what's going on? Like, you know, he literally, the deadline will come and pass and be like, dang, I missed it. I'm like, what's, what's wrong? Like, you know when the deadline is. And he said, you know, as he was growing up, this is Malia, a Pentecostal friend of mine. He said his mom, because he missed the first year, said, you're dumb, you're stupid, why can't you get things right? And she would say that to him every day. And again, Malayali mothers, I know most of them. I don't think they're trying to be mean. I think they're genuinely trying to encourage him. Like, you know, they're, what, he's, what they're saying is, get, get, put a fire underneath you, go do something. But guess what, he, what happened to him? As time went on, as he's about to apply, he said, every time I'm about to apply, I just feel so dumb. I feel so stupid. The words that she said to him sunk into his brain to a point of paralysis you don't understand the words and the effect of your words on people. I'm telling you this. And the saddest thing is, the people closest, which mother wants to destroy their kid? Nobody. But because we're so careless with our words, we destroy our kids. I want to encourage you with your spouses, with your children, with people, your closest friends, can you watch your words? It's so important. Can you watch your words? You know, one piece of advice I can give you is this. Ask the people closest to you how you talk. You know, we make the Bible into this really far off thing, right? Ask someone, ask your spouse, how am I as a talker? And be ready to listen, all right? (laughs) This is something I've learned. Sometimes the people closest to you can guide you best. They see you, they know you. And I'm going to encourage you, a lot of this is generational. Like you are gonna have to break generational things that your parents did. Maybe your parents talked to you without any care, with carelessness. Break that for your kids. Break that today so that your kids don't have to have the effects of it. That's what I'm thinking today. Every time I I try to shut my mouth, I'm not perfect, but when I do, I think I don't want my son to continue that legacy, right? I wanna stop it. When it's so easy to let my mouth go, let me stop it. So my first word of encouragement is, Can you be mindful of how you talk? 1 Corinthians 7, verse 12 to 14 says, To the rest I say this, I not the Lord, if any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean but as it is, they are holy. So this one is, I I kind of pulled an idea. Can I ask you all, what do you all see in this as what is Paul's encouragement to us for our family life? Be mindful how we impact our family members. Recognize this, Paul says this. He says, the unbelieving husband is sanctified through the wife. What does sanctified mean? They're made holier. When you walk in the way of God to people around you, I'm not even going to talk about unbelievers. Walk in the way of God with people in your life, you make them look more and more like God. When you react well in a negative situation, right? you are helping them become sanctified. But what do we do? If someone says something to me, guess what I want to react? I want to react back. Those are opportunities for you. And I can hear you saying, Sam, you don't know my family member. They are the most stubborn, arrogant, mean talking, and you can have a whole list of negative things. But can I ask you a question? Do you think it's coincidence you were born into your family? Do you think God made an accident when he did that? If he knows the number of hairs on your head, he knew which family you would be in. And I want to encourage you, Maybe he placed you there for the sanctification of your family. Maybe there's some deliverance for your parents that you need to walk out. Maybe there's a deliverance for your siblings that you need to walk out. But we don't take it seriously. The word is not our guide, so we just do what we want. When, I, when someone gets mad at me, I get mad back. No, you are someone that can make your family better. You can make them look more like Christ. I'll give you an example of this. So. I've always been someone that doesn't react quickly. I think that's just the grace of God over my life. One of my chachans that I grew up with didn't do that. So I looked out to him and I did that. So I remember one day my mom was frustrated with the chores of her house. And so we, she was like cooking and she was like, can someone wash the dishes? And I remember I was like, fine, I'll go do it. Like I enjoy washing the dishes. So I went, she's like, can someone wash? And like, I'm literally about to get in the kitchen and she's like yelling at the house. And I said, Mom, you know, like, you can just ask us, you don't have to yell. And my mom always tells me this to this day, that was the moment where she realized I don't have to yell at people. (laughs) She's like, like, I can just ask them to come help and they might come help. (laughs) And I was like, I didn't even mean anything by it. I was just acting normal, just living how I was. And that was an example for her. She became a little bit more like Christ through my example. Because what is the normal response? Someone's yelling, be like, I'm coming mom. Give me a second. You know, like we will respond likewise. But maybe if we can react like Christ, we are helping our family be better. So I want you to be thinking, what is your impact on your family? Right? I I try to be conscious. I don't want to raise my voice. Even though I'm a man, I want to keep my voice down because I want to react well that my kids see a good example. My wife see a good example. What is what is the impact you're making? So I'll give you a piece of advice as a question. Ask your family members what words describe you. To ask you, the ones that are closest to you, if you could put some adjectives about me, what would you say? And again, listen, that's the hardest thing. They may tell you things you don't want to hear, but listen, because the people who are closest to you know you the best. They're able to tell you things, this is so real. That Friday night when C, like was like, kind of chewing me out a little bit, <laughs> it, it was great. Like I need it. I need it. Sorry, Hepsi. <laughs> right? I need it. You know, I'm so grateful to God for her because she's able to speak to me and tell me what I need to hear. And, you know, my natural reaction is to argue back and say, this is why I'm doing this for this reason. Just shut your mouth and listen. And as hard as that can be, it can be an impact for you and for your family. So ask your friend, their homework this week, and ask them, what is my impact on your life? And maybe you can share with them their impact on yours. Let's do one more, and then I'll be finished for today. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So what again, what do I see is what the word of God guiding us to do on our families. He's saying, be mindful how you spend time with your family. So here's the thing. What is he telling them to do? He's saying these commands, there were some he, he had just in Deuteronomy 6, given the two greatest commands, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, impress that on your heart or impress it on your children. Talk about it when you sit at home and you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Like engage with the word of God. We are a people that will talk about everything in our free time except God. And what our, the writer is saying is, talk about God. Talk about the works of God in your life so your kids understand. When you're in your free time, talk about God with your friends and how you're trying to grow closer to God. You know, my Amachi was a great example of this. She would talk always about God, literally even to people who didn't believe in God, even to awkward points, like people who were like, they did not want to hear it. Her her brother-in-law used to always tell her, you can come to my house, but stop talking about God. (laughs) Like, because he was like a a nominal Christian. (laughs) And I remember stories, even to this day, she told me, because she kept talking about it. She told me when she was growing up, when she was married, they went to the new house, and she said there was always bananas on the table. And she said, I would never touch a banana because she said, unless they offered it to me, I didn't want to take it because she almost saw it as stealing. And, yet, and it was so crazy. Yesterday, I went to the school gym, and I, I, I didn't have my water with me, and there was a water bottle in the fridge. And I thought, maybe I'll just go take one. There's like 70 water bottles in there. And then Amici's story came to my mind. Isn't that crazy? Amici has been dead five years now. But because she talked about it, you know how many times she told me that story? Probably a hundred times, right? Like, but those were the things that were valuable to her. And guess what it did? It put something inside of me. So in y'all's free time, stop waiting for Sunday to talk about God. Stop waiting for someone else to teach your kids about God. You know, one of the thing, common things in our churches today is youth pastor, adult pastor, help my kids walk with God. No, it's the parents' job to help their kids walk with God. Don't wait till you have kids. Maybe you're not married here today and you're like, what does this mean to me? Start talking about God because guess what happens? If you don't know how to talk about God when you're single, you won't know how to do it when you're married. If you don't know how to do it when you're married, you won't know how to do it when you have kids. Every stage of life prepares you for the next. I really want to encourage you today, right? These are very practical things where the word of God is a guide to me. And if you're willing to do this, I believe this honestly, our families can be heaven on earth. I'm telling you this. The enemy wants to stop it, and that's why he makes it so hard, but your family can be heaven. I'll give you one example of this, and I'll end for the day. I'm sorry, I keep giving one more, but this is real. This is real to me, and I want to share that. One of the nicest things that me and my parents and my siblings used to do is before we got married on Saturday nights, every time like after church, we would just sit around and talk about God. We would talk about our life and we would talk about life and God would come up and things would come up and we would just talk for like an hour, hour and a half. And it was so amazing. I always think like people wanted to go to the clubs on Saturday night and party. But I was, it was almost like when your family can be whole, and love each other well, it was genuinely a heaven on earth. I genuinely did not want to go to sleep because I loved that time with my family. And I hope that I can continue that with my kids and my wife. Even today, I love it because me and Heps have started it. And I hope that continues with our kids. Your home, I'm telling you this, can be a heaven. But you have to take it seriously and say, this word is important to me. So I end with where I started. I had one more piece of advice, by the way. Reflect as a family how you spend your free time. Talk to each other. Say, maybe we will be intentional. Like to, We will have a conversation about God on some day. Or whatever. Maybe we'll go to a nursing home together. As a family, come to a consensus how y'all can come together to spend more time with God and reflect on God. So I end where I started with the question, Why is there a lack of desire towards reading the Bible? It's because we don't don't care to engage in the life that God has. If you are interested in engaging, he wants every part of you. And the first one that we're going with today is family life. So I want to encourage you, genuinely make a commitment to yourself. Don't feel bad recommitting. You know, Smith Wigglesworth said, it's okay if you recommit every day because A fresh anointing of God requires a new commitment. So even this morning, maybe you want to say, God, I want to commit myself to walking with you, to walking the life that you have. I want to encourage you, let God speak to you if that's what you need this morning. And maybe you feel like, okay, I'm walking with God well, but maybe there's struggles in your family life. Maybe there's people in your family that you need to connect with again, Maybe there's a distance that's formed that God says, I need you to work on that. Worship to me is not Sunday. Worship to me is every day. Ask God to guide you. Maybe my words are not controlled. Ask God, give me the grace. I want to be someone that controls my tongue. And so as we end today, I ask that God would really, that you have a moment with God and that God would speak to your heart. And our prayer is that as we continue going this week, that these words are not just for Sunday, but that every day we are trying to look more and more like Christ. That's the hope of this church, that every one of us look more and more like Christ. So in your family life, let it become a mini heaven. Our prayer is that if you have any needs, if there's something that you have struggles with, come talk to us. If you're listening online, feel free to email us. Our hope is that we can continue to impact our community and that we can bring heaven on earth.